Welcome to Make It Smarter with Hexagon, your monthly podcast where we discuss how industrial manufacturers are developing the disruptive technologies of today and the life-changing products of tomorrow. Hello and welcome to the Make It Smarter podcast from Hexagon. I'm Tyler Kern and today we're going to be discussing automated machine tool feedback with two subject matter experts. First, we have Scott Marley. He's the director of business development for QDOS and Hexagon Integrated Solutions. Scott, thanks so much for being here. Hey, Tyler. How are you doing? I am doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Perfect. And we also have Frank Crazer. He is the systems engineer at Hexagon. Frank, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Perfect. Well, Scott and Frank, thank you so much for joining the podcast once again, and I'm excited to dive into this topic. So, uh, Scott, let's start off here. First and foremost, share with us what automated machine tool feedback is and what it accomplishes. Okay. So just from a very basic knowledge level perspective, automated machine tool feedback is something that happens in a fundamental process of manufacturing. Um, Typically, you'll have a very frequent cycle, which includes the machining of a part that's in production, say a part that's going to be to be assembled and become part of a product that's being sold, an automobile, for instance, the machining of a part, and then the measurement of that part. And the measurement takes place typically on some kind of a measurement device that is providing results and feedback in terms of how the part was machined. A very typical process is for an operator or some other kind of an engineer to look at the results of the measurement process and to decide if uh, the machining process has to be adjusted in some way. So let's say that the machining process is creating a hole in the part. Is this hole maybe getting smaller over time because of tool wear on the tooling that's inside of the machine tool? And if so, does an adjustment need to be made in order to bring it back to the right size? So with automated machine tool feedback, what you're able to do is to use algorithms and um, consistent rules in order to evaluate the measurements that are done to take a decision as to what type of adjustment needs to be made on the machine tool and to have that adjustment sent back Uh, in the form of an offset to the machine tool so that there is uh, really no human action required in order for that adjustment to be made. So essentially what you're doing here is is automating a step that is uh, th- that has been previously done manually, right? As you mentioned, it it doesn't require, you know, a, a human to go in and do it manually at this point. So what impact does that have transitioning from an uh something that's been done previously manually to something that is automated? What's what's the impact of that? Yeah, well the the impact is is very wide. I mean, um you take away uncertainty, you take away inconsistency, the potential for human errors in, you know, fat fingering and putting in the the wrong correction. On the other side, you add to stability of your manufacturing process, you increase the overall yield, the longevity of your tooling, the uptime of your of your machine and really just the overall productivity. If you, if you think about that manufacturing cycle that I described where you're measuring it and then you're machining another part and then you're measuring it. And then, you know, if you're finding that any adjustments need to be made 
based on the measurements, you're making those adjustments. What can happen, you can imagine, is that you get maybe a, a, a sort of a jagged process where you know, the, the machine is, is being adjusted based on measurements, but it's not always perfectly consistent. So sometimes the adjustments are, are made at different intervals and, and sometimes they're made to greater or lesser magnitude. And it ends up in, in a kind of random effect of adjustments being not entirely consistent with each other. With you know automated machine tool feedback, where you're you're making those adjustments based on standard and consistent rules, really what you get is a nice steady chart where your your output in terms of the part that you're machining is is staying centered, close to nominal within the the tolerance limits that you have set for that part. And so, just visually, if you're if you're looking at a chart, basically you, you you're gaining confidence. And, and trust in your process and a very clear idea. If something goes wrong, you're going to know that it's going wrong now because um, you can see it in the results of your chart. Yeah, I have to agree, obviously, with everything that, that Scott went over. And in the end, of the end of the day, you have a lot more parts that are close to nominal and a lot less wasted time going back and forth with gauging, collecting data and punching that data in, trying it again, a lot less trial and error. So again, a lot less wasted material and a, a much smoother production efficiency at the end. You know, Frank, I, I want to skip ahead just a little bit in our in our conversation and kind of where we were planning on going with this, because one of the things that that Scott mentioned was that this helps build confidence that your that that the measurement is correct and that what's taking place is what needs to take place and the correct adjustments are being made. This is previously, as as we mentioned, something that was done manually, and so you're you're taking it out of the hands of people that have done this before and, and feel like they have knowledge. How can they have that confidence? Uh, like Scott was mentioning, that what's happening here is is correct because sometimes it can feel like, oh, this is this is something that's now happening outside of my hands, and I'm losing an element of control, right? Absolutely, it uh, seems a little bit scary, you know, the whole Big Brother concept of turning this over to uh, automated system. But I think the key is moving into it slowly and, and incrementally from one process, from the manual process to the automated process, and the software should let you do that slowly and incrementally. You're not changing the values of your machine quickly or by large amounts. The, the statistical calculations allow it to make small incremental changes and do that over a sampling of parts, right? We need not just one part measurement, but a number of part measurements lead up. So we have some time and it's slowly taken. It's not gonna go from the upper spec limit of your part or tolerance, excuse me, and drop it down to the lower one right away in, in one shot. So you have time to get in there, watch what's going on, be comfortable with it, adjust it as it's going if you don't like where it's going. And also another fail safe as you move into it, and usually it's used during the startup. It's a lot of software has controls to say, before I make the update, you need to come over and verify it. So you can look at the values it's gonna send and then say, okay, send these values to the machine, I'm good with them. And then after a while of tuning that process and manually accepting it, you get a feeling of confidence. Okay, this is doing what I expected to do. It's doing what I want it to do. Let's turn it over and let it do it on its own. That piece that he added at the end, I think is important is that you don't have to jump in with both feet. And one way to avoid doing that is by, by having a, 
a human in the loop at the beginning. I mean, you don't have to go from a fully manual process to a fully automated process. You can start with having the feedback not automatically making the adjustments on the machine tool, but instead just giving the the information to an operator as the suggested adjustment, and then it would be up to the operator to confirm that and actually put that value in. So over time, you can kind of see how that works. And, you know, if it seems to be working well, eventually you you gain the confidence that you need to put it into a more automatic mode. And it's that fact that it's all statistically based, right? So that plays into the confidence aspect that that, that you can see that it is performing the way that you expect it to. And it's it's based statistically, right? And so you, there's there's an understanding there and that kind of helps provide that confidence that we're discussing. Right. I mean, one of the concerns is, is so-called flyers, either a strange part where the material was bad caused just the results to be very bad, or maybe the gauge gave the wrong answer and it's way out of scope. Well, the, the statistics are either going to ignore that or if it's within a given range, it's going to smooth that data out. So it's it's not going to go crazy. And, you know, if, if the part's only, you know, a couple inches wide, it's not going to tell the machine to adjust three inches and, and go off into space. So things are, are, the statistics force it to average things out, slow things down, and make more intelligent decisions about the values instead of just reacting to every part that gets gauged and jumping back and forth depending on on what's going on with that particular part. If you think about human decision-making, a lot of times there's a bias in favor of reacting to the latest information. And and really, like, like you said, the benefit of using statistics is that you have a lot more information that's being referenced that, you know, lends to having more stable results. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kind of uh, helps away from that. Um, maybe the word is uh, recency bias or, or something, something along those lines and over to that. Yeah, yeah a- absolutely. Exactly. absolutely. So uh, one of the things that, that we were talking about early on in the conversation was that efficiency that's created both for uh, people and for the equipment, right? So what are some of the benefits of added efficiency into the overall process and how does that play out in the manufacturing setting? So for the equipment, part of it, you're reducing the usually the amount of time between when the data is, is collected and the time where it gets implemented on the machine tool, since it's all automatically being extracted from the gauges in real time. The calculations are being made, so there's no um, sneaker network running around the factory getting all this information and, and figuring it out and entering it. So that's happening more efficiently and it's happening automatically in the background. So you're not stopping the process to make these updates when it's in an automated mode. It's doing it always as it goes along. So parts keep flowing through and they're holding closer to their nominal value. With the people part of it, improving their efficiency, usually you have some some people or person that's very skilled at that process or machine that's making a lot of these decisions. And so when they're there, the stuff runs. When they're not there, maybe it runs, maybe it doesn't, and they have to wait for somebody to come and fix it. Here, you can extend into off shifts, weekends, let the system continue to run and still get the same consistent output from it. Yeah, you, you've worked on a lot of projects, Frank, I know, where companies have taken advantage of what is normally downtime um, by implementing 
automated feedback where they can actually have the machines running when there is minimal human oversight of the process. And really that, you know, that just creates a huge advantage in terms of overall productivity of your equipment. You know, you're, you're able to add to your production schedules and create a, a much higher yield from your equipment than you, than you are when every process has to be babysat by uh, an operator, a human being. Absolutely. It, it takes, you know, it takes a lot of manufacturing skill to get the process dialed in and set up and then maintain it. And this part a lot helps with the maintaining of that process after it's set up and going to keep it going. You know, so if this, if something, you know, if the tool wear starts to reach a, a limit in the middle of the night and uh, the tool people aren't there who know how to make these adjustments, either from the technical side of the, of the machine tool interface or from knowing the process and what to adjust on the process to fix that, the software is going to take over and, and do that part for you. And so the people there only are there in a catastrophic maintenance type situation if the machine should stop for another reason. Hey, do you, can you think of any companies that actually took on contracts that they would not otherwise have taken on just because now they can do it without even really increasing their staff, but now they can do it during what are normally off hours? Yeah, there's a lot of examples of, of those, and they all kind of follow the same trajectory and that's a bit inside the putting in automated cells. So there are specialty manufacturers doing small batches, um, kind of what's sometimes referred to a job shop type setup. Um, and these contracts come in and they go out, maybe they're for a specific industry in their area like automotive or aerospace. And they pick up a contract that's normally outside of what they do, which is like high volume, very simple parts where they can put in a fully automated small cell, you know, in the corner of the factory and implement it with the machine tool feedback and just let this thing chug away, filling these orders of these small, simple parts. And that gives, you know, a baseline of, of a constant revenue that this thing just keeps running with with minimal effort from from the people in the factory to keep it going right they got to deliver raw material do regular maintenance but besides that it just works for them so what this is tyler is is companies not just able to gain efficiencies from business that they already have but really to grab onto new business mm -hmm. and um, and increase their business that way yeah another way they do it with existing contracts and we We've seen this even more over the last year with taking non-automated lines and adding a bit of automation to them so they can fill orders on off shifts with less people around. You know, with all the keeping people home or away from the factory or having less people in an area at one time, the people with the expertise can't always be on hand to troubleshoot and fix problems in production. So they can automate part of that process with the machine tool feedback with their existing equipment to run in those those off ships to keep up the production levels or increase them if they need to. Those are some incredible things that you guys just mentioned and and I think really, really worth highlighting and pointing out. And I suppose in light of those things with increased efficiency, but not just increased efficiency, being able to take on contracts that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have, 
and being able to uh, effectively utilize the workforce during a difficult time like what we've experienced with the pandemic and that sort of thing. How should manufacturers maybe view this from a, a cost perspective and, and the benefits that it can provide in, in that area? What would you suggest in, in terms of just as they think through this from, from that perspective? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not hard to imagine. I mean, if you can just kind of step back and imagine what you're going to get from a manufacturing process, which is stable, where you are taking advantage of the fact that you know how that process, maybe how that tooling wears over time, you know maybe what you're likely to see in terms of drift, and you can stay within the prescribed parameters of that process through very consistent adjustments and corrections, and you can maintain that consistency and stability for a, for a much longer period of time. I mean, just in terms of the amount that you save from scrapped material, from maybe broken t- tools, from operator time, I mean, the return on investment from something like this is very quick. And so from a cost perspective, I don't think it really is a, a, a matter of cost. I think most people, if they look at this, it's more a matter of how quickly you can start profiting from the improved efficiency and productivity of your equipment. Yeah, it's the, I think it has a lot to do with the amount that you start profiting from keeping the equipment running more regularly and the time you save from not having to run around and do all of that in between yourself while equipment sits idle or the mistakes that you make getting it back up and running. Absolutely. That's a, that's a, that's a fantastic point. And, and so, Scott, one of the things that, that gets discussed pretty regularly is Industry 4.0. That's a big topic of conversation. So how can this be an accessible step in that particular direction? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, you're right. Industry 4.0 is a really big topic. Um, it it kind of goes along with uh, the digital thread and autonomy, autonomous solutions. I think that when you start talking about Industry 4.0, a lot of people get intimidated because they have the feeling that, hey, this is something that we need to be doing. A lot of companies have has set up, you know, departments or or work groups um, whose responsibility is it is to try to implement Industry 4.0 technologies in concepts. But at the same time, you hear about a lot of companies who are having a hard time getting started. And if you think about um, all the different directions that you can go in with with big data and the industrial internet of things and automation, it tends to lead in a lot of cases to analysis paralysis because you are maybe trying to bite off more than you can chew and, and, and do a ton of things all at once. I think the uh, attractiveness of a a simple solution like automated machine tool feedback is it it lets you take a small step in the direction of industry 4.0, a small step towards autonomous systems and, and, and greater automation. You are automating a process that you're currently relying on, on human beings to be responsible for. And by automating, you know that you're going to get all the advantages of automation, greater consistency, greater certainty of results. Um, But it's not something that you have to do, say, throughout an entire manufacturing plant at once. You can select a product, you can select a line, 
uh, a cell, a machine, a project, you can uh, get started with that project. And again, you don't have to jump in with both feet, even in a single project. You can take small steps. You can maybe configure the software uh, according to your desired parameters. And, and then you can, instead of having the automation take hold immediately, you can keep a human in the loop and get comfortable with the recommendations that are being made before you you trigger that automation. So it it's a it's a great example of what can be a very gradual process in terms, you know, a step-by-step process towards automation and towards industry 4.0. So as we start to uh, come to the end of the conversation today, one of the things we wanted to discuss were some use cases and some ways that you've seen this implemented uh, with a lot of success. And so, Scott, I know that you have an example that you want to share uh, first, and then Frank also has a, a few examples that we'll get to as well. So, uh, Scott, give us some, uh, give us a use case or um, an example of where this has been implemented uh, really well. Sure. Yeah. So at Hexagon, we we have a lot of customers who have implemented. Um, automated machine tool feedback. Um, one company in particular, uh, Booster in Germany, is a great example to talk about because they they really followed a, a great process for getting started here. They were already doing a high level of statistical process control. And so they felt like they wanted to take the next step and really see what they could what they could do, how they could benefit from automating. Uh, you know, a piece of that SPC process that they were doing, and and really they they just they followed the uh, the recommended steps to a T. They they picked a a project, so they they uh, make compressor wheels for turbochargers, and um, and some other things as well. But among everything that they make, these compressor wheels really stood out as um, the most demanding parts that they make in terms of their requirements for quality and precision. And so they thought that this would be uh, really a high, a high value target in terms of what they could gain in terms of stability, consistency, efficiency in their process. So they started with one cell and started to implement the machine tool feedback, but really in a, in a, in a, manual, in a manual way at the beginning, because again, they, they didn't want to pull the trigger and have these um, recommendations be, you know, automatically sent to uh, their machine tools, making changes in their production process without having uh, a person kind of look over the system and and make sure that they were comfortable with with what was going to happen. But um, but they did that, and you know, eventually they they came to trust the process. And they went to a, a more semi-automatic mode and then, and then finally a, a fully automatic mode. And at the end of the process, they compared what they were doing in terms of a, a handful of different metrics after um, automating this to, to those same metrics um, from before they automated the process. And you know, I think they reduced their scrap by something like 20%. They gained uh, a 15% advantage in terms of operator productivity um, and uh, just in terms of the overall stability of their processes and, um, and what that means to the, the process capability and the overall quality of the products that they were putting out, they gained some great advantages. So they were really pleased with the whole process, and, and now they're moving forward with implementing automated feedback across a, a much larger 
variety of, of their machine tools and projects. My examples are a little less specific in that I kind of look at them as, as themes that have grouped themselves together over, over a bunch of, of customers and implementations, and they kind of start falling into to patterns. So I was going to discuss a little bit about some of those use cases and in, in the patterns we see. And one of them is with larger plants, big shop floors, big lines running, they tend to minimize the amount of gauging they have by sharing them between lines. So you don't have a set of machinery and a specific set of gauging to go with it. It's shared. So there's many operators from the gauging side, many operators from the machining side, and physically they're spread out across the plant. And there the machine tool feedback is really helped by making sure the data is collected correctly and moved to the right machine destination automatically so that stuff doesn't get swapped by accident, you know, parts get dropped off at the gauge and somebody thinks that part came from a different machine and now the you know, lines are either getting shut down or machines are getting updated incorrectly. The, the whole automated feedback process, the beginning part of that collecting the data and organizing it is really helpful there and then making sure it automatically gets transmitted to its its correct destination. So that really helps with the efficiency and reducing the amount of errors that we're getting uh, between, between machines. The other stuff seems to fit into a, the, the automated manufacturing cells. Almost all of the projects I'm involved with that are fully automated manufacturing cells need this kind of feedback as, as part of it to, to work. So it's been very, very popular there, depending on um, the size of the cell. You know, usually these are smaller cells and they can run pretty much all on their own the whole time. If there's extra tooling that the machine tool supports, the cell can then bring that up as one tool hits its limit where it can't correct for it anymore. If there's a sister tool available in the machine, it can pick that up. It can then go out and alert the users in the factory that the system needs attention to replace it. But in the meantime, everything just keeps running along. And a third, a little bit different use case that, that we've had a couple times is builders of custom machine tools. And they sometimes implement a very basic set of feedback They've been able to utilize the commercially available feedback stuff in order to make it a lot easier to integrate with all the gauging and implement the statistical part of the control process. So it saves them the development time of the statistical side and all the time in each project trying to interface with every different gauging manufacturer for their own custom system. So it, it really enhances their, their capability. Well, Frank and Scott, guys, thank you so much for, for joining me today here on Make It Smarter and uh, explaining a little bit more about automated machine tool uh, feedback and, and uh, getting more into the details about why it's beneficial, how it increases efficiency, and uh, and many, many more uh, details about uh, what makes this such a special thing. And so, guys, thank you again so much for joining me here on the podcast. Hey, my pleasure, Tyler. It was really nice talking to you. Yes, thank you. 
Absolutely. And everyone, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. We appreciate it very much. Of course, for more insights similar to this, we have previous episodes. So go back and check those out as well. And while you're there, you may as well subscribe to stay up to date with the latest going on in the world uh, of manufacturing and learn a little bit more about what Hexagon has going on and some of the thought leadership that they're providing in this area. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast there on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and look forward to those upcoming episodes because they will be coming out shortly. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.